from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. We're back for part two with Coach Brian Sabo. I mean, we chatted for two and a half hours recording another half hour at least off the air. I mean, we just, we love this conversation. It went so many great directions. And in this one, it's strength and conditioning, athletic development, and how the mind is involved in our athletic performance. I really hope you enjoy some of the things that he shares as far as drills and just mental concepts for us to build better athletes, not just physically, but mentally. Thanks again to Coach Sabo. Let's get to the show. We interrupt this amazing episode to let you know that we have three Zoom panels with Coach's Edge going on this month. At the end of the month, everybody, anybody is invited. On October 22nd, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Doreen Ingalls, five-time state championship coach, Brian Morehouse, two-time NCAA Division III national champion, and Jeremy Schiller, IMG Academy, are speaking on the topic of winning. On October 25th, we're talking about three-on-three. Talking about three on three and how it can be applied to improve your program. We're talking at the pro high level with FIBA master instructor Chuck Arnold. We're talking at the junior high and high school level with Ithaca varsity boys basketball coach Josh Rayburn. And we're talking about at the youth level with me. That's all on October 25th, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's via Zoom. And then we're talking leadership on October 30th with Jeff Mezzatesta, one of the top boys basketball coaches in 1A and 2A in the state of South Carolina. Anthony Troshak, Charlevoix, Michigan, Coach's Edge contributor. Both these guys have their masters in leadership. They they eat and breathe and sleep leadership. And then Troy Slatman will also be joining that. He's a principal. He's a former college athlete. He's somebody who I pick uh, his brain. I stay with him uh, sometimes when I go up to Ohio to run camps. And he's just, every time I, I leave having conversations with him, I am better off because of it. He's a ton of leadership when it comes to sports, business, teaching, education in that area. So October 22nd, winning. October 25th, three on three. October 30th, leadership Hit me up, contact at KramerBasketball.com. I will send you the invite. You are not going to want to miss these Zoom panels that we have for anybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Coach's Edge Doc Coach member or not. We want you to get better because of these meetings. Come in and get after it and get better with us. Let's get to the show. I want to dig into some like athletic development, exercises, like some different types of, of things. And, and you've talked about uh, even as we were, I was talking about sharing with you some of the injuries that I've had mm-hmm. and you were talking about, Hey, it's not just like the physical therapy, but there's a mental aspect that can allow you to perform and, and even heal. And we've talked in previous podcasts about uh, RPR reflexive performance reset and the value mm-hmm. of that. Uh, so I'm going to just hand this whole podcast over to you and just preach to us for a little bit. And and maybe I'll poke a question here and there to kind of um, yeah ask some more details. Where do you want to take this first? Let's start with okay. So I talked to you about, for example, like the goat drill. All yes, right. Yeah. So if if any of your listeners want to um, YouTube Cal Dietz D I E T Z is a strength coach, hockey uh, in Minnesota. Um, what I love about Cal 
is he takes anything he thinks he knows and then tries to prove it or anything that he hears new and wants to, wants to see it for himself and then thinks, can I make it better? Um, so he's always, he's constantly reevaluating. It's something called the goat drill. All right. And when you YouTube it, there's, there's a couple different versions cause he has morphed it over the years. Um, and I've been really enamored lately at how you can get the brain to help you function and move uh, better and recover better. Um, and I think those are some things that, that are, that are really important as well. But the goat drill is kind of a brown. There's two or three, you can use hula hoops. You can use anything. I think it originated from something called infinity walks, which is kind of moving um, in some different patterns while also focusing on something else. So the cool part about this is there's about two or three hula hoops and you're kind of doing some skills. You're kind of running around them and he's morphed it into like you're chasing somebody um, while they're kind of really passing, let's say it's a tennis ball, a cross ball around your back, but you're focused on something else. So there's something on a wall that you're, you're always constantly looking at. Um, and what I loved about it, it's, it's the high neurological drill that raises the ceiling of your athleticism. But also, if you really look at the drill online, you can look and say, that's sport. My brain has to focus on something while my body continues to move um and it better feels safe um that's what i love about the drill but also puts you like in some different foot angles that you'll see in competitive sports especially i'm thinking you know basketball football soccer um those type of things but again it just kind of raises your neuroscience it doesn't take very long uh, it's a couple passes that you would go through it um i don't even know if it doesn't even last a minute um, he does that a couple times and then boom, it just kind of raises the neuro ceiling of human movement of your ability to visualize some things. Um, I, I, that's, that's a newer one. I think we've never talked about on here. So, no, we haven't talked about pa paint us the picture a, a little bit more of an athlete going through this exercise. So where would we put it in? Okay. You could put it in at the beginning um you could throw it in you could take a basketball and, and put it around your back as you're doing it you can make it a little bit more sports specific but um again you could do it before we use it in the weight room um and that's kind of where What's some of the space like how much space do you have uh yeah that's a great like, question what's an example like where, so if i where took two hula looking? hoops two hula hoops let's put them six to ten feet apart doesn't doesn't matter okay um if you have three hula hoops, it's about the same, but it looks kind of like a triangle almost. Um, and, and they may, they'll sprint around them and, and there's no specific pattern. Um, one person will lead the pattern. And if there's another person, there might be chasing them. Um, so the intensity goes way up when you do that. Um, they may have to spin around, lose a little bit of sight of the, of what they were focusing on and then pick it back up. Well, guess what? That's sport too. Um, they may have to open up um, versus run around it and open up like a shuffle and then go back to a sprint. Um, so there's a lot of different variations. He'll, he has advanced it where you're um, counting back from a hundred by maybe threes. I mean, that's a nut, your, your, your neurological component goes way up there. Um, he's even added a small hurdle that you would have to very, you know, I don't even know if it's six inches that you might have to go over and know that it's there. Um, the other, the other cool part is if the surface is slightly 
I don't say uneven or they're kind of two different surfaces. Um, your brain is focused on something and has to know that it's okay, that it just touched a different surface. That's sport, yeah. especially in basketball, uh, especially in, in a field play. So if you're like soccer where grass is a little uneven, you're focused on a ball or something else going on. Um, you have to be okay with your feet and where they're at and continue to move at, at a high uh, threshold. So let me correct me on any of these as, as I run through. I'm, if I'm doing it, right? We yeah. got two, two hula hoops set up. Yep, two or three, it doesn't matter. Yep. Apart. I got a basketball and I'm going to, while I'm doing a figure eight around these hula hoops, let's say I'm looping the, the basketball around my waist. Sure. Right? I also have a target that I'm looking at. So I'm yes. not looking at my feet. I'm not looking nope. at my track. Nope, not even target somewhere else that I'm I'm looking at. Correct. That's the main right. focus. And so I, I'm running, I'm circling a ball around myself. I have a target that I'm looking at. Yeah. And then some added variations are we can start to do math problems, yeah. for example, subtracting, yeah. go down from three from a hundred, right? I think you mentioned. Uh, and then we can also add uh, it's it's somebody's trying to get us, like a, a game of tag essentially. Absolutely. Yes. And then different movements that we're using to get around and uh, uh, like an obstacle or different surfaces. Yeah. Also one more, he'll have somebody inside the hoop. That's kind of trying to block your vision. Mm. I mean, again, you see that sometimes in sports, somebody sure. I have then I'll re-pick up uh, the ball or something like that. A smaller ball to take around your back is a little bit better. Um, but again, if that's, if that's all you got as a basketball, that's, that's fine too. Cause it's just, it's easier to take, around your back on uh, that type of stuff okay so this is a crazy exercise it's called the goat drill yeah. go back and tell us again like what are some of the pros of doing this and what are some of the things that you've noticed uh you you mentioned even like doing a quick assessment of an athlete before and after they did this exercise yeah so a lot of times we'll take we'll take we'll have their arm out at about 90 degrees and i will put my hand on their wrist and i'll say hey uh, you're going to resist me pushing your arm down in um, three, two, one. So I'll go three, two, one, resist. And I will try to push their arm down more times than not. Um, you can do that. And then you do this drill and it puts your brain in such a high threshold and makes you so, I guess, hyper aware, focused. Your body feels really comfortable. Um, when you first see people do this drill, I promise you, like if you try it tomorrow, or the next day, you will see people that will desperately want to look down. Why? Their brain wants to find out where they're at and what are we doing here? I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah, right? for sure. So the next two or three times you see them do it, man, whole nother level. And now their neuro threshold is up quite a bit higher. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so when you would go back, just by, just by going through like maybe two passes through and you'd redo that arm test, their strength that they have in that arm. And it, this is not a strength component. This is a brain thing saying we are locked in and we're, we're so much more efficient and ready to go. It's, it's amazing. Um, and it does something that doesn't take long. Uh, it does not take very long at all to do. A lot of times we'll throw it in the middle of some of our uh, lifts or workouts. What a great way to, I'm thinking, keep things fresh. Absolutely. Keep kids, you know, really engaged you know, mentally, because there's a lot of times you do the same exercise, your brain doesn't have to think, your body just does it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, mm -hmm. that's out of the equation in an exercise like this, which is really, really awesome. 
Uh, tell us a little bit more about, you know, what, what are some things that you've continued to, to learn about? That's one of the reasons that I'd like to have you on the podcast. Like yeah. you, you always have an open invites coming back because every time I talk to you, there, there's something new, there's something else that you've learned. Uh, so keep going. Like you just, the more you learn, the more you just keep seeing what's out there. That's what I like about Cal. You just, what's next? What's out there? What am I re doing that I did poorly before? Um, it's just that constant growth spring ankle. I would say that's another one. It's really still from Cal Dietz or Chris Corpus. Um, it's right along the same lines of the, um, knees over toes guy. Have you heard much about that guy? Yeah. Very similar type concept. The spring ankle stuff is you're going to put them in, three or four different type of ankle positions that are more isometrically going to hold. Um, you could do reps, but it's, it's a bit more isometric and you put the ankle you're to me, you're just trying to build stiffer springs in your lower legs. Um, again, will help with athleticism, but also, so for example, my daughter has really like tight ankles. Um, and this I think has helped make a little bit more flexibility in the ankle, build some stiffness in there which might so, deter some injuries. So I, explain this to good question. Yeah. Everybody I, else. You're talking so, about stiffness yep. and you're also talking about having more flexibility. Okay. Um, the stiffness part is you can gain that through some isometric. So we may go up into you're, you're on maybe a plate. You're, you're mainly your balls, of your foot toes are on a plate and you rise up into a big high calf raise. Then you take one foot off. So now you're on one foot in a big high calf raise. Um, and then you hold that, right? could be as simple as five seconds. You can work your way up almost to a minute, right? That's going to build stiffness um, in, in, let's say, the, the calf complex, the, the Achilles, really the foot, right? The foot, the bottom of the foot is really where you're going to start to build stiffness in there. Then there's one where you're on that same plate but you're really almost like somebody jumped on your shoulders. They're really trying to drive your heel down over the plate. You have high knee flexion. Your ankle is very flexed, almost like somebody's trying to hammer you down. Um, that's definitely going to build some range of motion in there. And then you're going to hold that range of motion for, again, that length of time. Again, you're, now you're building some stiffness, but you're definitely building some flexibility by holding that position over a period of time. On that second one, my, my heels are now on the plate. Um, well, no, they're off the plate, but you're driving them down b below a plate. You got to be kind of on a raised, a okay, little okay. bit of a raised that level to do that. You. Yeah. Yep. Um, and again, if you Google spring, not Google with spring ankle on YouTube, it, it's still, I think Cal Dietz has several things, um, that he does it there, but some people are going to look at it and say, this is, this is close to like the knees over toes guy, but, um, it's a little quicker and a little easier. You don't have to quite do everything and then the third one is really interesting you start in that second position where you're driving everything really down and then you go into a calf raise again man you, the achilles the quad everything's firing and when you hold that isometrically um again it just continues to build that that stiffness in the lower legs and it's pretty easy to do we interject it in some of our just kind of lifts a lot of times we'll do it before we either vertical jump or sprint um, one of our football players last year loved doing it before football games. Cause he definitely felt number one, he, he felt better, more fluid. And number two, he didn't feel like he was going to roll an ankle or sprain an ankle or anything like that. So walk us through the last one again. So is it, is it, okay. Our, 
our heels down, our 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 yep. front of our foot is as uh is raised up. Uh, this, yep. So my I'm on let's say a upper a plate two or three inches, four inches, and I'm really trying to drive my heel down. Mm-hmm. Um my knees will feel like they're going well over my toes. Right. Um, and it's almost like somebody jumped on my back and they're just, I'm just trying to hold them. Okay. Then from that position, I'll hold that position, but now I will try to go into a calf raise for in that low level position. Okay. Um, and, and you, you, you can feel a lot more like in your Achilles, you definitely feel a lot more in the, in the quads closer to the knee. Um, so again, I, I think you're also helping the knee have a little bit of stability. I like the isometrics because there's there's so much I think that we can still balance in as basketball coaches thinking about this. Like if your school doesn't have uh, a great uh, strength and conditioning program like yourself, um, you know the the head coach can try to think about how can we take good care of our bodies by doing you know some of these exercises you know before whenever whenever they can really. I mean, better some doing it sometimes better than not doing it at all, right, coach? Yes. Um, so those are those are great ones, um, and they're they're holds, right? They're holds. Yes. So much of like, there's a there's a big thing among basketball coaches now, just like never doing anything stationary, because you would never be stationary in a game. But some of this stuff goes to the point of no, there there's value in that because you're you're building your body, like you're yeah. kind of putting some armor on, right? If you can't hold that position for a period of time, your brain won't be comfortable when you're in that position in athletic movement. This so makes me feel better about some of the, uh, like we, I really try to break down like some stationary ball handling before we get into all the movement stuff that we do. That makes me feel a little bit better hearing you say this. Cause there's, yeah. there's so much of like, we'll never do, there's a lot of coaches be like, we'll never do stationary ball hand. Cause you'll never dribble stationary in the game. Like, yeah, I get that. Right. But that's not what I'm after. But, but I bet you're not also doing it for 45 minutes. Right. Right. Um, if you can't, you know, we, we talk about this with our hurdlers. So our normal hurdle height is like 39 inches. If you can't run 14.5 seconds, over 33 inch hurdles, you will never run it over 39 inch hurdles. If you can't do the dribbling routine or whatever it is you want them to do stationary, you will probably never do it in dynamic. Um, but I think where they, you know, then sprinkle it in, don't do it for 30 minutes. I, mean, I think that's where I, I disagree with that. I love, I've really dabbled more isometrically in the last year or two, I didn't understand it a whole lot and in, in the value, but I'm starting to understand a little, a little bit more. And it's really like holding certain positions. And again, if you can do that, it's more for the brain and more for the body to be very, you gain strength in that position mm-hmm. and then to move that out of it becomes easier. Um, have you, t- um, have you looked at the Tim Grover jump attack program? I read his book. I haven't looked at the whole program, if you want a good read again the, the is what is it relentless is that his book? Yeah. fantastic book he, for anybody else he came out with his uh winning uh Ooh. which is a really good book as well so make sure you read winning yeah uh, but he but years and years prior to that he came out with a book called jump attack jump attack okay it's a three-month program i'd love for you to take a look at it okay 
broken down into three different phases. So it's like three weeks, one week off. It's not like, Hey, you're taking off. You're not, but it's like, we're, we're off the program part of it. And then it's another three weeks. And, and so it's, it's this three month series and the first three weeks are nearly all isometrics. Interesting. Um, I'd be very curious to have you, cause I've done the program. Uh, yeah. I did the full upper body and lower body once. And then I did the full lower body program like a, a year later. And uh, I enjoyed it. I, I got a lot out of it. I felt a lot like I felt durable. Right? Yeah. So durable. It's called jump attack. Yeah. It's supposed to make you jump higher, more explosive, yeah. all this stuff. Um, but for me, I just felt like it made me more durable and just like overall, like body, just stronger all the way, all the way around. But in positions. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear your, your feedback from taking a look at it. Sprinting is another one that, you know, coaches will say, we're never running sprints. Is there value in running sprints? Because most coaches are gearing towards like not running them in practice anymore. Um, You're talking about sprints as conditioning or like two or three, just max out sprints. And then you go to do something different. I was trying to see where you're going to go with that. And you already posed the, posed the question because yeah, I would, exactly. I think that most coaches don't do them because of the first thing that you said, when I think if they can be used, I mean, I, I'm not going to put words, words in your mouth. I want, yeah. I want to hear it, hear it from you. Yeah. I think there's some value there, right? So, and I, I think this needs to, uh, there's a guy named Tony Holler. He's in, he's in, Illinois, uh, he has a thing called Feed the Cats. It's really more track related, but he is now speaking to a lot of like lacrosse, for example, football. There's a, there's a lot of guys that they, they call it sprint based football. So, so for example, their Monday today, they would have run two fly ins. And what is a fly in? It might be like an all out 40, but you're really highly valuing like the last 10 yards or 20 yards. So there's a strong buildup. And we're really emphasizing, like, how fast can I be in these 10 or 20 yards, okay? Um, then they would do, let's say, like an install or something like that, and then they would go home. Um, so they're highly valuing speed and continuing to try to build speed. Now, the belief is if you can run, let's say, 20 miles per hour, when you are fatigued, let's say you fall down to, like, 18 miles per hour, but you are still significantly better than a person that can never run 18 miles per hour fresh. Right. Um, so that's the value to me of just some speed training. I think it could be done somewhat in basketball. Um, so you might do one of the practices, you might do a quick warm up, and you literally might just do, it just might be one end line, one, one all out from end line, let's say to, the next foul line because you have to have a little bit of a, of a wind down. Otherwise we're running right into the wall. Yep. Um, all out one of them, three or four minute recovery, go again, boom. Now go to your next drill or next warm up or just something like that. Mm -hmm. The theory obviously would be um, if I can move this fast with or without a ball um, and I start to get fatigued in a game, I'll still be better than somebody else that just can't run that fast. You're still valuing a speed component, which does your faster athletes 
are, are some of your better athletes as long as they have skill. Um, then there's this switch it over. What do we typically use them for, for conditioning purposes? Now, if you're running them with very short rest and you're doing multiple ones, you're now doing a more conditioning aspect. So they're just separate entities. Um, a lot of times we may do them in the warm up. So for example, today our football team and sometimes like our soccer teams will come in and we'll use the weight room for speed power, but also as part of their warm up. So today they might have done um, cleans. We might have done a med ball throw right after it. We might have done what I've called drop jump. We drop off a box slightly higher than your vertical and stick the landing, have no depression in the landing. Like you're like a cat that just stuck the landing and now is going to run off. Um, then we might do something that's a little bit more glute ham related than a movement that's glute ham related. We might do the spring ankle for like five or 10 seconds that, that I just talked about. We may vertical because we still like to test the vertical. It kind of gives us an idea of where we're at. If we're feeling really down that day, um, it, it just gives a small measurement. And then we may run an all out 30, 40 yard. Um, I call it a 10 meter fly. We're really focused on that 10 meters, but call it what you want. It is an all out max sprint. Mm -hmm. And then we might go through that cycle again. Um, the best part is I tell them all the time, they can walk right over to your practice right now and they're warmed up, ready to go. They are primed. Um, you immediately can go into whatever drill you want to do. So now you negated what your typical warm up would be like. Um, now, again, you, the only piece you miss is maybe that little bit of part where you kind of, we talked about interacting with each other, juniors, seniors, question of the day, fine. You can do that real quick and then, and then go back in. Um, sometimes we use, the weight room again to enhance, but also as, as a, as a good warm up um, that they don't necessarily have to do. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, I think that, you know, as, as coaches, you just got to think about like this, this season, are you running them into the ground? Yeah, and most coaches are, are getting away from that. And I would agree rightfully so basketball season, especially, I mean, uh, that's the longest high school season as far as sports bands, both semesters and right really stretches out compared to some, some other sports. So that's huge, but you won't, we want to be getting better. Right? We want to be getting explosive. So to be able to work on, like, like you said, we're just going to, Hey, we're going to race down or race yep. to the opposite foul line. Okay. I mean, how easy would, would that to be before or after a drill? Like, hey, all right, everybody online, like, and explain, this isn't punishment. This no. is conditioning. We're trying to improve our athleticism. Kids are going to buy into that. Yes. Everybody wants to be faster, right? Right. Well, hitting the gas for three quarters of the court, right? I mean, why not? Now, Go ahead, Coach. Tony Tony Holler's thing, too, is he'll time it. The right. minute you put some sort of time, stopwatch, something to time it, holy cow, the, the intensity of it goes way up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 100%. When we were chatting before we hit record – you were talking about the depth jump yeah. and the how that actually has, has shown some signs of improving yeah. athletes vertical, right? It seems like, you know, that's out there. You know, you see box jumps are very popular right now and some different types of things, but right. talk about the importance of the depth jump. Um, so something I got from um, a guy named Dan Fichter um, really discussed 
if you want to have a 30 inch vertical, you better be able to drop off of something 30 inches or slightly higher. Um, why? Because if I want to have a 30 inch vertical, your brain better feel like it can land safely from 30 inches. So if you want to, we, and we, we started doing this. So we took, let's say our vertical, somebody had a 24 inch vertical, right? So we were on a box at maybe went 30, um, 28, whatever, or maybe we're at the 24, but you jumped up a little bit. Okay. So now you're falling from something higher than your vertical. And then when we, you land, you want to land like a cat. Um, you don't want an inch or two of joint movement down. Um, and then what we started to see is again, um, people's verticals started going up. So instead of everybody thinks you got to jump up to a box, what do most people do? They jump up a little bit and they bring their knees way up and it looks, you know, I'm more worried is how high can you jump on that box and how much space is there between your feet and the box you're about to now land on that to me is explosive move, but we, he talks about jumping down off of things and sticking the landing. Um, and it has been, there is a small, they, they had force plates. Okay. And they showed somebody that was getting ready to leave the force plates and they jumped up and then they came down and landed. This was with no weight or anything. And I thought the amount of weight that they landed on might've been like 600 pounds or something like pressure coming down. And it's like, you, this person couldn't lift 600 pounds, right? You know, to weigh the way to recreate that and, and to build all that is, is dropping down off of stuff. And that's what we've been doing lately is dropping down off of things. Um, and it's, it's been interesting. Uh, it's been better than, you know, the old school, like jumping up on stuff. Um, it's, and it's, again, it's built stiffness in our lower legs. Um, what it allows you to do is stop quickly. Um, and really that's what you, now we'll do it on one leg. We'll do it split leg when we land. We'll do it double leg when we land. So there's multiple oh, different landing variations. Yeah, sure. Sure. You can, um, then it'll advance even more. So this is also some Dan Victor Caldeet stuff. So now when you land off of it, then you may look somewhere else, right? And your brain has to, I mean, it has to feel comfortable enough. And then the second time you do it, it it's a whole nother level. You are way more comfortable. The first time I did, the first time you go to do a depth jump higher than your vertical, you're going to go up there and you're going to go, whoo. Your brain's going to go, I'm not sure about this. And then you do it and then you go back up again and it's easy. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. I didn't understand it until you kind of started doing it. So we'll drop off of stuff and just try to stick the landing. Obviously, how, can, how do you progress? Um, maybe drop off of things, not necessarily as high. And then you're going to jump up either onto something else or sprint out of it or move in a different direction. Um, that's how you can kind of progress um, after that a little bit, but you can just stick the landing most of the time and you're going to get better. Talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the common errors that kids would use when they get into this landing that, you know, you want to avoid, you know, for injury purposes or just building overall athleticism. Um, I, I guess I would say start lower, you know, um, some, some middle school in our place is going to see some, <laughs> some guy dropping off a 30 inch box and then they're going to go over and they're going to try to do it. So um, you're trying to watch out for those things. If there's some sort of knee issues that they've had in the past, maybe they're not ready for it yet. Um, like I said, I would just start lower, um, build some stiffness that way. If they're not 
moving or descending very much, then maybe they're ready to 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 go up a little bit more. Um, what was the other thing I was going to mention? Well, I got another question while you while you're thinking of it. Yeah, go ahead. The the landing, and I, I say this because I've seen kids do the traditional jump stop, right? Yeah. I've seen kids do a jump stop. I'm like, why the heck did you land? Like, it looks like you're going to break your ankles, your knees, like just come in. It's like the stomp, like everybody in the gym just heard like smash of this yeah. kid going up and, and jump stopping. A cat doesn't sound like that, right? You said right. land like a cat. Cat doesn't yeah. sound like that. You don't hear right. a sound when a cat lands, right? right. What, how do you teach like, foot foot placement location on the floor what are some things that you're looking for so that when they're they're dropping like they're landing the way that you want them to um i think just over the stuff that i i've been i think that's where kind of some of the spring ankle stuff comes in um some of them their their foot might not be strong enough to to really hold that pressure of the jump stop so the heel might collapse all the way down. Um, so again, they might need, need some of these altitude drops, they call them. Um, and it can be as just as simple as you kind of raise up on your toes and then fall down into an mm -hmm. athletic position. Okay, yeah, I've seen you those. Start there. Um, you can also, again, start at a lower level box. The spring ankle stuff, again, might build some foot strength. So you're now not necessarily landing like an elephant. Um, they, their, their foot ankle complex might not be strong enough to, to withstand that. Or maybe they just don't understand what you're exactly talking about. So again, as a coach, you teach it or say it different, you know, land like a cat that could still move or change direction. Um, and, and you watch, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Now I need to, um, I think that's the nuance too of, of, of coaching. Uh, maybe I say it differently, or maybe they're not physically, able to handle that right now i think that's where some of the isometrics come in um have you noticed anything with the the width that athletes land in making a difference as far as um injury balance strength uh athleticism being able to change direction um, as far as kids who generally land maybe a little more narrow hip width shoulder width wider than that great question i would say yes here here's the body will put itself into position that feels the most safe um but also it will also put itself in a position to not injure it itself but i also think like you said if you see them land and the knees cave in immediately um maybe there is something physiologically there or maybe they do need to be taught um, how to land a little bit more properly, or maybe they need to have something activated a little bit more. Maybe they need a little RPR right there. Um, maybe they need, I don't know, maybe there's something different that they need to either to be taught or physiologically need to have happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. Well, I'll give you myself as an example. Maybe you can diagnose me. So when, like if I'm in a game, you're getting a rebound or something, like you're probably going to land off-centered so like left foot right foot yep. pretty wide base right if you land too narrow you get but what i wanted to ask you about was like 
okay, I'm getting older. I'm still dunking, right? But what I've found for my body's sake when I land is in literally the last two years, I said, every time I try to dunk for the kids or whatever, yeah, I'm going to land narrow and I'm going to land almost like real stiff and like bounce back up immediately. So like, I'll, I could send you a couple clips of, of me dunking and you'll see like every time when I, when I used to jump, I was like, I don't care how I land. I just be like left foot, right foot, like whatever landed fine. Now I'm like, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to land awkward. And so I've just been, every time I land, I'm trying to get like both feet to land at the same time, pretty narrow. And then it's just like, um, almost like a jump rope jump as soon yep. as I land. Like, so yeah. I'm not like, sticking the landing, like you're yeah. talking about, which right. I don't, maybe I should, I need more strength or something like that in order to be able to do that. Instead, I've just been like, a like a little, um, slinky almost yeah. it's like bing bing and then i'll yeah. land and then i'm then i'm fine i think the way that your landing is actually been a little harder because you're actually popping back up you almost you almost could jump again is 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 what i'm kind of hearing i feel like um it's not like i'm jumping but like 100 my feet are my feet are coming back off the floor again like i'm yeah. hit the floor and then i'm just kind of like and yeah. then the next one i'm like okay that's my like real final like soft landing and then i'm walking my back. first thought would be i i am okay now i understand what you mean by kind of landing wide or landing on one foot because i do think that's sport i think you can practice that through some of the altitude jumps um you're just dropping off maybe you land on one foot maybe you land a little wide wider staggered but again be safe you're not going to drop off of 40 inches doing that um you work your way up to it or you just do it at a lower level okay your brain will feel pretty safe landing in all these positions because they've been in them. Yeah. I'm thinking right now your brain doesn't feel safe for some reason to land in those positions as much anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're doing things to adapt, which is completely fine to make your body feel safe and we can and durable. Um, I think if you did either some of the spring ankle stuff or a couple more altitude drops, throughout um differently landing in those different positions i think you'd be fine landing um next time but there's something there that's your your brain doesn't feel comfortable with landing a certain way mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna send you some video you can you can look at it um i'm gonna have to work on some of those things and see see how i feel next time i'm trying to get a little dunk dunk workout in so um hey let's go real quick to the let's so conditioning wise basketball all right i got a couple ideas besides the typical line drills or typical all right so a long time ago i think there was a coach we had um they would kind of i don't know if it was at the end or not they would kind of run around the gym and then occasionally sprint when he said sprint and then continue to run kind of masking the longevity of a game and the intensity but it just didn't mimic the sport, if you ask me. Right, um, right. Some ideas that I have, and again, I think these can be applicable. If you're not just a basketball coach, they can go to soccer. Um, they can go to volleyball, any sport-specific idea. So let's say you would take, I'll just say 10 stations, all right? Eight of them, six of them, five of them, doesn't matter the number 
are basketball specific drills and I would keep them to a minute, give or take 30 seconds. Okay. You would be able to give me right now, probably a couple drills you have in mind. It might be like two guys they're working together. Um, one could be shooting. One could be ball handling. One could be just passing. One could be shoot rebound, but they're going to go hard for 30 seconds to a minute to maybe a minute and a half. Then they're going to have, let's say 15 second break or, or, walk to the next station and walking's okay. Um, shorter amount of time, bam, they're off to the next drill at that station. You do 10 stations of this, holy cow. Like your heart rate and you're getting basketball specific things and their heart rate's going to be through the roof. Um, that to me is another way you can condition one of the stations might be rest stations. You're, you you get some water, but you're cheering on your teammates, um, seeing what they're doing. Um, one of them could be a down and back. Fine. We, we had a sprint down and back. Um, one could be rebounding. One could be more specific towards uh, big guys. So you have all kinds of ways that you can do this. Um, once you get through those 10 stations, if you really wanted a day that you're going to get after it and condition a little bit more, you could go through it again. Hey, now we're on. I've seen you do this the second quarter, right? Um, I think it's more specific to the sport, and you're still getting a high rate of heart rate. And that's really what your brain doesn't know if it's running a sprint down and back or it's doing something with more skill. You could put the goat drill in there um, for a couple seconds. I mean, um, you could put a couple agility drills in there, jump rope doesn't all have to be basketball, but I would definitely have half of them that are basketball. So you are increasing your skill and also really getting in shape at the same time versus old school kind of basketball, getting in shape type stuff. I like that it's mixed. You know, I think that's perfect for coaches, especially preseason, uh, early in the season. Yeah, You have more time or you're less, you know, focused on, uh, strategy, the X's and O's, everybody running their plays. Instead, you can get more time towards this and being able to keep the kids engaged with, hey, here's a, this is a rebounding station, followed by, a, you know, something like you said, it'd be down and back, could be the the goat drill, di different types of things. Okay, now we're next one that's that's passing that we're going to concentrate on. And, yeah. Um, have a coach at each station. You got multiple coaches. Good. They, they get to own kind of a station. It's really cool too. They get to coach a little bit. I don't know. There's yeah. a lot of little nuances to it. Um, and again, I, so I suggested this to our soccer coach. Um, I've kind of typed up something. Oh, kind of a, a framework that I have done this and I just wanted to send this out. This is fairly recent for me kind of doing this, but I think it's more applicable sports specific. Um, but a, a different way than just always the conditioning type of things. They, they won't even really know that they're conditioning, um, but, but they are. Right. Uh, but more specific to their sport. hundred percent. What about in season lifting? What are some, you know, if, if athletes didn't have a, a class during the day Yep. and if time is and days are limited, what are some of the general movements that you recommend, you know, basketball players do throughout the course of the year? Um, I, I like to keep something explosive. Um, I'm an Olympic lifting guy, but if you don't know how to clean, teaching it is, is really hard. Um, if you got a hex bar, a hey, put 95, 135, jump with it. 
Um, literally leave the ground, jump with it. You can drop it. Don't have to keep it. Um, if you wanted strength portion of that, obviously you can lift it a little bit heavier. You know, I would keep the reps a little bit lower. So you might have one day with it. there's a small strength component, but if you go to jump with a weight, there's some, there's some power to that. There's some speed aspect to it. That's a little bit more applicable. Um, the only difference I really see between out of season and season lifting would be probably the volume that you're doing it. Sometimes the intensity, um, I don't think you need any more two days a week. If you've got three games in four games in that week, cause it's a long week that somehow they scheduled three or four games. Make you might not lift game. it. Yeah. You might not lift it all. You might lift one day. Okay. Um, and it's okay. Your body will not just dive way down. You, you might do a day. It's just mainly is isometrics. That's okay. We're just going to hold these positions. Um, that's okay too. Be observant at what your kids need. Um, for example, so this summer, our let's say girls soccer team had a weekend tournament, right? They come in and I saw them come in on a Monday and it was like, oh, wow, they're tired. Right. So I said, look, here's what we're doing. We're going to still follow the same routine. We're reducing the weight. Right. So go way down on the weight. I don't care if it's the bar. I don't care if we're at least half, if not a quarter of what you typically would lift move things really fast. Our goal is when you leave here, you feel way better than when you came in. Like sometimes that's the goal. Use the, the weight room yeah. as an active recovery to now the central nervous system feels like it's going back up and I'm ready for my next day or game or something like that. Sometimes I use the weight Feel room. Good lift. That. Like that. Yes. Um, if you walk out feeling more like Superman than when you came in, you're going to be ready for the next day. Like um, and sometimes we'll use it for that mm -hmm. uh, versus, I mean, we got to stay with it. We got to squat heavy. Um, yeah. You're now just diving down even more than, than when you came in. That's why sometimes we'll test the vertical a lot. If the vertical doesn't go up on one of the cycles that you, that you kind of went through. So I said, we, we cleaned, we did a throw, we did an altitude drop, we did one or two other things, and then maybe we test a vertical. If it went down, it might be time to shut them down. Um, I might have to jump one more time. Okay, maybe your jump was off, do it one more time. You know, oh, okay, went back up, maybe we just had a bad previous jump, let's go through another cycle. Um, and I do this with the girls' volleyball team a lot because obviously jumping is a major portion for them. If, if they can increase their vertical, the net becomes that much lower. Um, so we've talked about after games, don't get frustrated if you come in to lift after game and we do the vertical test and it's down. You just played maybe a four or five match game. It should be down. If it goes up, I'm shocked, right? Um, if it stays about the same, great. We're still at a good central nervous system threshold that you're kind of ready to play already tomorrow. If it's way down, you guys are tired. Mm -hmm. There's something that needs to be done in practice to allow you to recover. Um, so again, kind of be aware of those things as a coach. I would say that looking at your players, um, if they come in again, you're asking those that you trust a little bit more. Hey, how do you feel coach? Uh -uh, we're tired. You know what you need that day in practice is something that's going to get them to recover and feel better for the next day. Not more of what it is that you think that they need um, at that point. Maybe they don't need that. At that point, recovery can be a great tool as well to enhance your performance um, later on.
Mm-hmm. All right. So personal question, but I also think a lot of coaches would be interested in, in this one. What's an athlete most likely to lose first, right? Let's say they're going into the season, they're in good condition, they're feeling strong, and they're not doing as much of the lifting or the conditioning as they were prior. Which one are they going to lose first? The the stamina, the endurance, or the strength? They'll lose the strength or power. The minute you start increasing conditioning because um, you think they need it, some, Tony Holler always says if you chase two rabbits, you're not going to catch any. What if you're not increasing either one? What if you decrease them both? Which one would you lose first? Still strength? I would say so, yes. Um, I mean, your best players, number one, they have great skill, but number two, they're pretty explosive and and they can get by people. They can out jump people. They just, they're just powerful. Um, They move great. Um, The minute they lose that, they feel like less of a player or they lose their confidence. Um, If you get, if you can maintain that or even build it up and sometimes it increases, man, they're way more confident for you. Um, a faster, more explosive player when they get a little tired are still better than somebody that's in great shape and never had that explosive movement. Sure. I always think in this too, you let, you let the season get you in shape. You're, you're, 12th game was probably quite a bit different than your first game. Um, you felt explosive, but man, to get to that fourth quarter, like you had to use a lot of mentality type things. Maybe you were subbed in and out a little bit more, um, but you let the season get you into shape as well. Um, if you think you can get it all in the first three or four weeks, you're, you're, you're crazy. And all you do- are is really diminishing. Like you just said, the strength, the power stuff, maybe your agility. There's not a lot of snap. Um, my my change of direction isn't as good, but a man am I in shape? Well, that that's great, but you might be getting beat more. You're also increasing the likelihood that you could get injured mm-hmm. um, just by chasing conditioning. Um, I think I think you there's ways you can do it, and then there's ways that you let the season just kind of get you into shape as well. The thing that I would I would like to think or, or encourage coaches to think about, and again. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're the expert here. Um, but like the weightlifting is also armor. Like I, I'm I'm less likely to get injured, right? If yes. I'm lifting weights. Yeah. As soon as if I stop lifting and, and you know pushing, pulling, right, working in the weight room, whatever that may look like for your program, whatever you have at like. You're not, you're not going to teach your kids to do something. You have no idea what they're going to do. You right. saw a video on YouTube, like don't stay away from that exercise, but you're giving them some armor so that they can, you know, last throughout the course of course of the year. Right. Yeah. Some durability. Um, I definitely think you are. Um, the other thing I think you can do, if you want to, I don't think in season you need much more than like 20 minutes, 30 minutes max. Um, I think you can just hit a couple things and, and you can, your body will adapt and it'll still feel really good. Um, I also think 
Oh, I just lost my train of thought there. Sorry. How long? So I'll give you this this hmm. example. Right? How long is an athlete's body? Do you think going to hold on to that muscle even if they're not lifting on the schedule? That maybe you like she said, like twenty minutes twice a week would be great. For example, um, so for example, this this spring leading up to our basketball camps, uh, I was lifting a lot of weights. Now I was rehabilitating my my calf so i wasn't able to do a ton of lower body stuff but i was doing a ton of upper body right shoulders bench press back arms and i put on muscle i got a lot stronger summer camp hits i don't lift weights at all i'm in the gym all day mm-hmm. i'm in the car and then going to bed like that's what, what i'm doing all summer long i felt like um although I lost weight throughout the course of the summer that I still like my body still like held on to muscle for a while, even though like, I I didn't feel like actually weak until probably like maybe the fifth week of the summer, right. Till maybe like the beginning of July, I was like, boy, I'm kind of starting to feel like, uh, like I should, I haven't been lifting weights like I have in the spring. Is that like, I don't even know what my, my question is. Can you just explain that maybe, or is, is, is that what I was feeling, but it's not actually accurate. What I'm... Hey, you know, you probably didn't lose a whole lot here. Here's what I, here's how, what you could have done. There might've been weight room or something there or somewhere you might've took one or two lifts or five or 10 minutes, sprinkled it in and you would have been just fine. You would have felt even better. You would have maintained that even better. Um, the second there's a, there's a, there's a, and I wish I could find it off try to send it to you. There's a time period of diminishing, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not things. That's just speed is number one. You will lose speed and it's like two to three days. It needs to be touched. Just, you know, it could be again, just a short sprint. That your, makes so much sense because I just think of like high school game on Friday. Yeah. By the time Monday comes around, I'm like, oh, I'm not in like I had two days off. What the heck? I like I yeah. don't have that as much as I want. And then Tuesday, it's probably back already. But or if the minute you did like a drill that was really high speed, or one day you had to just sprint down to get back for something, you just did a little speed training. Um in football, when they do a kickoff practice, all out sprint down there, that's 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 sprint training um aerobic conditioning aerobic has a fairly long period um before you lose a lot so again i i would say if you could sprinkle in um again there's some days we go they'll do a a clean or two maybe one other thing and that's it or um that deadlift jump that i just talked to you about you did one or two of those maybe something else and, and then you're out um that's still keeping you uh, pretty fresh. Um, the, the thing I would say about lifting in season, in season, the skill should be the sport. Mm-hmm. That is your emphasis. Um, and you would touch a little bit on on the weight training. Again, some days it might have to be used just as a central nervous system recovery. But the skill is still the sport. So it's okay. Sometimes we use... Huh, your college SEC coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, some of them will use lifting as the skill. It's not the skill. 
lifting is lifting, right? If we want to be great deadlifters, benchers, squatters, um, some of them use, that's not the skill. That's just something to enhance the other skill that they're trying to get better at, which is the sport. Um, we lose sight of that. And I think following Caldeets a little bit more, he's morphed that a little bit more versus we're not always just chasing numbers um, and chasing certain strength numbers. We're also trying to get stronger and more powerful for a reason to enhance our sport, mm-hmm. not necessarily the skill of lifting. Yeah. Your power lifters, we have so many things that are derived, they're derived from bodybuilding and powerlifting that we, we got to do these things. That was their skill. Right. That sport that skill. bodybuilding and powerlifting is the skill. It, it's not the same for basketball. Yeah. That was their sport. Yeah. So we have to sift through and think, what do I really need for my sport? Um, that that's, that's what I've grown over probably the last 20 years. Um, I probably would have said, Hey, now, do I still think I don't have one way that I think you need to do things. I think if you take, and I'm just a bodybuilder and I also play basketball, I do believe you'll get better. You'll get stronger by, by doing those things. I think there's some things more effective. Yes. But if you have the discipline to continue a process of doing those things, you, you will get better. Um, I think there's a little bit more effective ways. So I don't really deter anybody from doing things. I might say, Hey, sprinkle this in or do this, or, um, you'll still get better by working hard. Like you said. Sure. Sure. Coach, we've been chatting for two and a half plus hours. This is <laughs> definitely going to be broken down into two. I mean, we could probably break down into three parts. Um, I want to give you, I mean, anything that you wanted to share and, and touch on uh, before we wrap this up, this has been enlightening as always. Um, let me see. I'm looking at some of the notes of, of things I wrote. And honestly, I, I think we, man, we, we covered a lot of covered a lot. Yeah. Um, like I said, so let me quickly talk about maybe the performance cycle. Um, if you, if you same guy, Cal Dietz, he, he, it's a different way in the last couple of years that I've done lifting. Um, so we'll take like, maybe it's a main lift, maybe it's a deadlift, maybe it's a clean, maybe it's a squat, right? Maybe it's a single leg squat. They like to do a lot of things on split legged or single leg. Why? Cause, cause the brain likes that better. Um, the brain loves a cross crawl pattern. That's what we do growing up. Um, so anything split legged or different, you know, um, is better. So we would do a main lift. Then we would do something to kind of accentuate that lift with, with some power. So you heard me talk about a clean, then we might do maybe a med ball throw. Then we might do like an altitude drop. We're trying to stick that landing. Um, then we would go to really, sometimes it's going to be like glute hamstring related. So I might do a glute bridge. I might do a kettlebell swing. I might do a single leg deadlift. Um, and then I have some sort of movement. He calls them prime times. Remember the old Deion Sanders, the way he used to do the, 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 the high step kind of like they were straight legged and he, he you calls them Deion, Deion Sanders may, he may never be more popular than he is right now. Coach. I know. I know. Most people didn't even realize he was such a great football player. They just think he's a, a flashy coach, right? Yeah, unbelievable athlete. Uh, baseball too. Yeah. So he would. We would do those, and then we might do, like I said, a vertical jump, or a, I probably would do a little spring ankle, and then we would come back through that cycle again. 
And the next time we came back to that lift, whether it was a clean or this and that, man, did it shoot up. Why? Because we've activated so many things versus just what I used to do in the past. Maybe just do that Olympic lift, wait for like three minutes and then do it again. Um, here's the second part of that that I think that most people like, you know, realize that constant movement, you start to get a little bit of a in shape fatigue type um feeling that you don't realize is there um until like that third round only do maybe two to four rounds um through that whole thing just kind of depends on on the time frame you have um we've done some things like that performance like man we've seen some good results again i, I might not do it exactly the way cal kind of might describe it i've seen some other people talk about it so that's a different way to kind of lift you can sprinkle in a goat drill you can sprinkle in some spring ankle you can Sprinkle in some things that you think your athlete uh, might need. So it's kind of a, a different way that I've been lifting. Call that like a, a circuit or like what would Honestly, be? Honestly, it's like an old school circuit. Okay. Right. But it's had its own flow to it, I guess. Right. And there's no. Yeah. There's more of a flow. science to it. Yeah. Like you got your main lift first. There's a lift and then there's something explosive, whether it's body weight, whether it's you're throwing something. Um, and there's an upper body way. There's a lower body way. Um, also with uh, um, Dan Fichter, he loves not just altitude drops, but he has them upper body wise. Um, the body, bet, body better be able to handle, I guess in basketball, it'd be bumps. It'd be this and that. Um, it, it's interesting. He's got some really, really good stuff um, there. So the, the performance cycle is something I've talked about. Uh, just something to look at a little different. Sweet. Now I encourage all of our coaches to, uh, to, to Google and, and look up some of those things. And also um, I'll put coach Sabo's, I mean, I can put Twitter or whatever. I mean, sure. people can reach out to you, ask you questions. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Is, I love it. And I just like talking training. Awesome. Yeah. There's, there's so many things that, that you've listed that let's be honest, it's hard to break down on audio Sure. So I think it'd be awesome if, if some of our listeners reached out to you, asked you some questions, that'd be, that'd be great. Cause uh, this is the man to ask. I mean, he's, it's, this has been an encyclopedia of, you know, two and a half plus hours. It's just great information from, you know, team activities as, as a warm up and getting to know each other to talking about, you know, growth mindset to, you know, a whole bunch of, I mean, the goat drill. I mean, hula hula hoops and spinning balls and counting, and I mean, and and more. I mean, tons of stuff that we we've covered, Coach. This has been awesome. I've taken up much more of your time than uh, than I deserve. So thank you for for giving me this evening. No, it's always a pleasure. Again, anytime I have, I think I texted you one time. Anytime I have a conversation with you, I think I grow as a human being as well. So um, it is always a pleasure. And I knew when you asked, I'm like, yeah. I think we wanted to do it like for the last year. We just never kind of did, but it is, it's, it's a pleasure being on. Thanks for having me on. Um, always enjoyable. We made up, we made up for lost time on, on yeah. that one. And um, I appreciate you answering all my random texts of like, I'll, I'll be like, I said one text, I said, so, Hey, I'm taking this many amino acids. Like you think that's too many or something like that. But you, you'd be like, yeah, I think you'll be fine. I'll be like, yeah. oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you. I no, it's always, always, throughout the course always a pleasure. Yeah. If anything's going on with like a supplement or like a, if I'm really like wondering, I'm like, I'm just going to text, text Sable, see what yeah. he has to say. And yes. 
take that. I certainly, certainly appreciate all the help on and off throughout the past uh, year plus. I mean, no, I, I enjoy it. I'm glad. I'm glad. I think it was Troy Slotman connected us a long time ago, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a while back uh, to our listeners. Appreciate you guys taking the time to to listen to these couple episodes uh, with coach Sabo and all the great information that he has. Be sure to check the links in the descriptions below. If you have any questions for him, uh, get after it today and coach, thanks for taking the time. Appreciate it. Thank you.